dating is sort of this dance where you're trying to suss out the other person. Do they share my values? Is this someone I want to spend time with? Am I drawn to this person? And you're doing that exact same thing when you're in the workplace. All right, thanks for joining. Uh, we're with Lakshmi Rengarajan, who I have had the great pleasure of working with and have had like direct exposure to her brilliance. And now you guys are gonna get some of it through this podcast. Um, but I think it's always better to hear it directly from the person. So Lakshmi, tell us a little bit about yourself. Ooh, okay. So the best way to describe what I do now is I think I have always been fascinated and concerned with helping to answer the question, how do people get to know each other? And that has taken a lot of different forms. Um, and I think most recently when, when we got to work together, um, there was this amazing opportunity where it actually became my job. It's helping an entire organization answer that question and then hopefully like spread it out to other people. And um, it's always been a difficult thing to explain because I think, you know, most job titles are sort of vaguely specific for a reason, like just enough information that you can kind of wrap your head around it, but also like sort of vague. And so I have to often explain what I do. And I usually have a couple of different versions, metaphors, analogies. And um, but I think at the end of the day, that's what I do. And I think right now with the with the way that the world is, this question is finally getting the attention it deserves. I want to build up to how you gained that clarity Yeah. Um, on what you, because I think a lot of people spend a whole life without like that level of clarity of what they want their days to sort of look like in terms mm -hmm. of, well, how we define like what our work is, who cares. But um, when, I like to kick this off with, when was the first time in your life that you really started to think about like your career, right? I, not the, hey, when you grow up, what do you want to be? Or like, what do you want to mm -hmm. be when you grow up? But like, when you're like, okay, th these actions I'm taking are going to lead towards the things I, I do. Mm -hmm. uh, could have been like what you chose to study in school or whatever, you know, but like yeah. when, when do you feel that was? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking about this because I, I saw, you know, kind of like how you're trying to shape the podcast. And there were a bunch of moments, but I was trying to think of one. Um, so one thing was like, I, I think I took sort of a circuitous path to the corporate world. <laughs> I'll just say that. And I worked in food service for a long time. Um, I dropped out of college and kind of didn't really know what I was doing. And um, so I did a lot of jobs that I think don't necessarily, aren't necessarily associated with, you know, um, being stable or the, the, the way to showcase your intelligence. And I remember I was, I was like, you know, I bartended for a long time. And um, I came across this book by Mike Rose, which is, I actually like pulled it out today. And it's, um, it was called The Mind at Work. And it was about um, valuing the intelligence of the American worker in every, in every way. And he kind of opens it with, um, actually his mother was a waitress. And for so long, he just saw her as a waitress. And he was looking back at what she was doing and just the incredible processing power that it takes to be, to like run, run a diner. And um, I think honestly, like I, 
never really saw myself as intelligent because I was always like wearing an apron or serving people food or, you know, running their check or making a martini. And I think that was the first time I actually gave that kind of work credit for how smart you have to be to do it well. And I think um, I realized that the thing that I pay a lot of attention to is I'm always paying attention to how people get to know each other. Like always, I've always paid attention to that. And I never really thought that that was something that would ever be valuable to a company or to an organization. And it took a while. And honestly, it was always something that people recognized me for. But going to WeWork was the first time that someone said, you know what, this is going to be all you do. <laughs> and I think when I started to see that what I was doing um, did have value, and there was actually a lot of strategy and a lot of thought that I was putting into it. Then I started to see myself differently. You were doing that stuff. Then you get um, a job and like a more corporate job. Let's yes. Call it. Yes. Much later in life. What, yeah. What was like, what, what was that? Like when you stopped doing that, you know, yeah. what was the kind of like, what was the thought process? What was like the sequence of events that you're like, okay, cool. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to go do something else. And it's this. Okay. Great question. So um, I remember I was I was I was bartending in a college town, and um, people used to say to me like, "Oh, you know, you're you're really good at marketing, or you're really good at like communicating." And I always like kind of took that as like an insult. I was like, "What do you mean? Like, what does that mean?" <laughs> um, you're articulate, like, oh, right? <laughs> and so there was there. I went to I went to school in a college town, and they had this like school for like marketing and communications. And again, remember, I only thought of myself as a bartender who can do side jobs and internships. It's like kind of all I really thought I was capable of. And um, I literally, I put together on paper, like an application and I walked it into the school. And I think they were kind of like a little bit like thrown off. They're like, I think you're supposed to like mail this in. I don't think people walk stuff in, but I was like, I'm in the area. I'll just like walk it in. And I ended up having like a conversation with like the admissions person and, uh, and they let me in. And, um, I, so I got, I got a master's in marketing and then here was like the, the big moment. Um, this was 2008. So like really, you know, not a great year to be looking for a job. And my, um, my class had voted me to be the commencement speaker, not the valedictorian. I was not the valedictorian. I was the commencement speaker. Cause people, you know, when you grab a microphone, people think you had like the top GPA. And I gave this, I gave this speech. It was like my first public speaking opportunity. And I gave this speech about um, like what I thought marketing really was and sort of the human dimensions and very much the stuff that I talk about now, but I didn't really realize it and about relationships and um, getting to know each other. And there was a guy in the audience and he owned the biggest advertising agency in Chicago. And he came up to me afterwards and offered me a job. <laughs> and I, that's how I got into advertising. It was a culture shock that I did not expect. Like there were so many things that like, I was just a lot, I was older. So there's just a lot of stuff. It's not that I hadn't worked. It's just that I hadn't picked up office culture. Like I didn't know what a meeting maker was. Cause I remember I invited some people to have a drink with me and they didn't show up. And they were like, I was like, why didn't you show up? And they're like, well, you didn't send us a meeting hold. And I was like, oh shit. Like I didn't know I was supposed to do that. You know, <laughs> just like all these things, like, you know, making decks and PowerPoints and client Inter, you know, interactions, just all this stuff that I didn't know. And I remember I was a little bit older and all the people that had just graduated from college, they were significantly younger than me. And I just, I was very honest with them. I was like, I know I'm not 
dumb, but I don't know a lot of this stuff. And I'm not kidding you. They used to hang out with me after hours and teach me. I was so open to being taught that um, my first year I kind of struggled. And then I like, I got a promotion every year after that. I just like shot up um, in, in relevance and importance. And so I was a brand strategist. And during that time, um, I became really fascinated with like um, the dating world. And online dating had just sort of taken off. It was not on apps yet. It was just desktop. And I saw how it was sort of changing people's behavior. And so um, I sort of dove into that. And I started my own company. And it was to, to I guess, to summarize it, it was a singles event company that sort of modeled itself after like TED Talks. Okay. So I'll just, I'll just say that. But what it was really about was this question I'm always trying to answer, which is how do people get to know each other? Right. And I was just using dating as like the vehicle, but it kind of took off and it was, it was inspiring this really cool conversation. And the, and it, you know, I, I got written up in the New York times and like all this stuff started happening. And the company that I worked at, I mean, they were phenomenal. They saw that this was happening <clears throat> and they allowed me to go part-time and work on my business in their building. So like they were sort of reacting to this idea of all, all these people having, you know, kind of side projects and endeavors and, you know, um, nurturing their inner artist or however you want to say it. And they um, created this residency for me and allowed me to do that. And because they allowed me to do that, um, I ended up getting acquired, acquired by Match.com so they saw what I was doing. And so then they bought my company and hired me. And then that took me on a totally new chapter into the dating industry. <laughs> so they had noticed that people on their site were getting fatigued of being online. And so they started doing these offline events. But they never actually thought through, what does that look like? <laughs> and that was all I think about. All I think about is I go into a room and I'm like, how is, how is everything in here enabling people to have the ability to get to know each other. Not necessarily like interact. I'm not, you know, forcing people to have interactions, but how are all of these different ingredients working together? And I always was like unpacking that. And I'd stud basically studied that for three and a half years. And so I brought that to match. And I think when I got there, um, obviously, you know, they were at the time, they were holding hundreds of events every week, every month. And so you know, some of the scalability issues were challenging sometimes. But um, what it did do is it got me, they allowed me to work on multiple different dating apps. I got to like really, really know that industry. And I got, I kind of got to have a front row seat to how um, the, the changing nature of human interaction. Um, and so I, I got to see that unfold for, you know, three and a half years at Match. And then all of a sudden, the things that I was doing for singles, I started doing for the employees. Right. So there's remote teams and there's, um, you know, people joining the company. And so I started consulting on that because they were just like, hey, that stuff that you do for events, can you like, how can we bring that into the office? So I started working with office managers and the tech teams and everybody was trying to figure out, like, how do we get people to like get along um, beyond the happy hour? And then when I left Match, um, I'm trying not to be too secure. I was at this conference and someone asked this question and I raised my hand in the audience and I told them what I had done at Match to help remote teams get to know each other. And in, again, in the audience <laughs> was Adam Day. 
um, who ended up eventually bringing me to WeWork to say, do that talk at WeWork. And so I was brought in as a guest speaker to WeWork and I did a talk called Dating is Work. And it was all about taking the lessons and learnings from the dating world into the workplace. And how do people get to know each other and who needs to get to know each other? And do, is this even important? And uh, I got a call the next day that said, whatever that thing is you do, we're not sure what to call it. Can you do that here? When, when you left Match, did you not have the next thing lined up? Or were you saying, I'm going to go freelance 100%? Like what, whatever details you can share on that. Like Man, what, I love that you're, you you're paying attention because you're right. I did sort of <laughs> skip over something. Um, no, I left Match and I went back to bartending. I went back to bartending and I was um, consulting um, for startups, a local startup in Dallas um, about like they, ha- they were having the same problem. They were a small company, but they were scaling and they were starting to ramp up. And they were like, um, we want to keep, we, we don't really know what our culture is. And so I came in and did um, basically helped them develop the traditions, artifacts, rituals, um, behaviors that would that would, you know, sort of set the stage at that early, at that early stage for what their culture could become. Um, so very, very, like very, very basic, but important questions. Like, do we celebrate birthdays? What kind of snacks do we have in the kitchen? What is someone's, you know, first three days like? Do we have plants in the office? Um, you know, but I mean, obviously you're an architect, so I know you, you were thinking very much about the, the, the built environment, but I'm, I'm sort of thinking about all the little like small, medium and large things that shape what is it like to be in this room? And how do we yeah, all? I wish they taught us that in architecture school. Hopefully get on the cover of magazines. Um, I'm going to go out on a leap here and say why, why I think why you went back to bartending. Um, because from our conversations in the past, I feel like bartending for you was like your Petri dish. It was like your, your testing mm-hmm. ground um, for experimentation on human interaction. Um, I, I think I'm not making this up. I feel like you and I have kind of talked about that before. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think like on the surface, if you told someone, I went back to, I did this awesome job at match.com, like one of, if not mm-hmm. the biggest dating sites uh, in the world. And I went to go bartend, right? There's like an automatic ton of assumptions, but I actually think that there was a ton of intentionality there on a bigger intent that you had with your career. And can you talk a little bit about that? I think there were a couple of things, reasons why I went back. I think um, I wanted to make things with my hands again. I think that was something that I missed. I think I wanted to, you know, um, when you, when you, when you make a living working with your hands and picking things up and moving things around, you're, it's like very manual and very like, like your body is like such a big tool in it. Um, you miss that when it's not and you're sitting at a desk and bartending is one of those. So if you look at sort of like the trajectory of bartending, it actually is a reflection of like what we value. Um, and I, I feel the same way about dating. So when I was bartending in the nineties and two thousands, um, it was very much the martini Manhattan era. And so the drinks were, they were not too complicated. And the biggest thing was speed, right? Being able to make a lot of drinks quickly. And um, somewhere sort of, it it changed. And then the the craft cocktail really came back. And all of a sudden you are having to work with like, you know, there's 15 ingredients in your drink and you got to shake it and like get a little 
don't know, light something on fire or something, you know, like, <laughs> um, and before when I was bartending, um, the first time around interacting with people was actually more important than your actual bar skills. Your bar skills were secondary. And that was always like really important. Something we were always taught, like make a good cocktail, but your real job is to interact with people and like make sure that people are, you know, um, getting to know each other. Um, fast forward, you know, 20 years later, it all, it became all about the cocktail, right? So the presentation and, you know, th this like sort of elevated experience of the drink and the social part was secondary, if not completely absent. I think we just go through different cycles where we, we are trying to figure out like what to showcase and what's important. And we keep playing with these ingredients and I think we overcompensate and we overcorrect. Um, and then we have to like go back and, and find some sort of like median. I think um, one of the biggest things I learned, and it really informs my work, is that everybody wants to connect, but how people experience connection is a very individual thing, right? So um, one of the things I was really proud of at my events is they attracted introverts more than extroverts, because I think people always thought, well, you're, you're going to attract extroverts. And what I learned is that... Um, no, it's introverts want to share. They want connection just as much, much as much as anyone else. What what they're concerned about is being interrupted or having to compete. So you want to make sure that you're designing for moments where someone has the floor. So a lot of times I'm coming and I'm doing keynotes and I'm just introducing concepts and frameworks, and then I'm seeing what people are attracted to and what you know what what is like really like hitting them in the heart and the head, and then we you know. And then we figure out, okay, like what is the plan and how do we execute and, and make this actionable? So then you get presented with an offer to come work at a company whose mission is to do this, right? Um, get people together, we're better together, you know, in the context of work, um, yeah. you know, but that was, it's like, hey, yeah, exactly. We, we like what you're, we're picking up what you're putting down. Come help us do this more. Yes. Yes. Like, like literally, like, I mean, I, when I got that offer, like, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure I cried, you know, because it was like, oh my God, I'm getting hired for being myself. And I think if I, I, I always like hope that everybody has that moment in their career. We're living in a time. Well, I think we've always actually lived in a time that if you can gain that clarity on what you like doing and you're able to sort of communicate the value of it, there's someone that needs it. Um, I feel like you were able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, that's one of the reasons why one of the things I'm really like passionate about is helping people to see um, how what they care about can can transition into a paid a paid situation or a, a corporate job. And one of the questions I like to ask people is. Um, like, what is something that you pay attention to more than other people? Right. It's, it's a very simple question. And sometimes people don't always know what that is. But if you can, like, really identify that, in that is, I think, where you can start to put the puzzle pieces together and start to be like, okay, you know, unpack the strategy and unpack, like, how you're using your intelligence to pay more attention to this thing. You had what, for all intents and purposes, was the dream job. You got to label it whatever you wanted. <laughs> Um, yeah, but there came a moment, again, I have sort of the insider view here, but that the company didn't want to pursue it. Right. And I think that that happens for a lot of people. And, and like, what were some learnings there? 
Um, you know, obviously I think the WeWork story is like quite well documented at this point and a lot of things mm -hmm. started to change, but now being well on the other side of it, what are, what are some learnings and, you know, if, you know, not necessarily like a play by play, but you had to move on from it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still figuring that out, <laughs> but, um, I mean, the biggest learnings, it's kind of like what I said, the, the most important things are strangely the hardest to talk about. And so I think I'm constantly trying to like refine my message and give people ways to sample what I do and without having to necessarily commit to giving me like a full-time position. So a lot of the work that I do works a lot better right now in the form of being a speaker and being a consultant. Um, and then, you know, sort of slowly working my way in. So I've, I've just had to find different ways to work with organizations, you know, and, and work with their, you know, sometimes it's their employee engagement team or their HR team or their L&D team or their DE&I team and, or their head of heads of community is a big one that I work with now, right? So people kind of generally know that this is important but actually like building a curriculum and a sequence and how are you going to make this a part of your culture and a part of who you are? Well, Lakshmi, this was amazing. I think there's a lot of really great career insights. I think the, the big takeaway is like having clarity on what you wanna pursue, but still being open to new ways to pursue it and like new contexts. And I, I just think there's so much for people to learn from this conversation, so thank you. Thank you so much, Dave. How can people follow along with what you're doing if they want to, you know, hire you for consulting, learn about your career, where you're putting content out? What's the best way? Yeah, and then we'll absolutely. And we'll link to the stuff in the show notes. Um, well, I do, I do have a podcast right now. It's called um, Paired by the People. And it's a, like, like I said in, in this conversation, it's about dating, but it's about so much more than that. Um, so that's one place. And then, um, and then I just have my website, which is my first and last name.com. Awesome. Well, we will definitely link to those in the show notes and everyone should tune in. And thank you again so much. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of Nonlinear. If you enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to subscribe, share, and rate us wherever you're listening to the show. You can learn more about Teal on our website, tealhq.com. That's teal like the color, T-E-A-L-H-Q.com. Or follow us on social media at teal underscore HQ. Thank you so much for joining us and please tune back in to keep hearing about how we make the decisions that shape our career. The Teal Career Paths podcast is produced by Rainbow Creative with senior producer Matthew Jones and editor and associate producer Drew McPowell. You can find more information on them at rainbowcreative.co. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.